the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 103 and part of our multifamily brief series. Today, we're going to talk about investing in your backyard and when you shouldn't invest in your backyard. The topic for today's podcast came from a conversation I was having with somebody about two weeks ago. Now, in general, I look to schedule up to two calls every day for about 20 minutes with people that I haven't met, you know, new people into the business or potential partners, potential investors, but two calls a day. And in one of these calls, I was talking with somebody and he mentioned the podcast. And so when we're talking about the podcast, I asked, hey, do you have any suggestions for my next multifamily brief? And he said, yep, I want to hear something about, you know, markets and investing in your backyard and when not to invest in your backyard. And what I got to say to that is ask and you shall receive. And incidentally, if you have any suggestions, any burning questions about anything related to apartment investing, definitely reach out, drop me a line, give me something that I can talk about, and I'll be happy to to put it into the mix. Now, that said, selecting the market or markets that you're going to target for investing is one of the first steps that an apartment investor should take. Now, when you look at markets, and I, I've done said this in an episode before, but I like to use the sailboat analogy when talking about the importance of market selection. When sailing, the winds and currents have a great influence on where you're going and how fast you can get there. Now, a skilled sailor can still sail upwind. It's just not as easy and it's slow going. You're translating this to multifamily, the market you choose to invest in provides the winds to feel your sails. And ideally, they're blowing in the right direction to get you where you want to go. So let's talk first about you know the ubiquitous list of the top 10, the top five, or the top however many markets you should be investing in. You know, a lot of the big names in multifamily education have made it a point to publish these lists on a regular basis. You know, each one of these lists has its own separate criteria for what makes a good market. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is your backyard. You know, I think every investor should start looking in their backyard. Why? Well, because you have a competitive advantage in your own neighborhood. You're going to know your own neighborhood better than almost anyone else in the multifamily space. So when considering where to begin in multifamily, start close to home and work your way out. Your detailed knowledge of an area will lead to better discussions with brokers and sellers, lenders, potential partners, and investors. And not to mention, once you've closed on the property, you're going to be in close proximity to manage the managers and respond to anything that potentially happens. Now, while investing in your backyard is optimal in many ways, your backyard might not be the best place to begin investing. You know, so to help you to make this determination, let's look at some of the barriers to entry related to apartment investing and then some barriers to entry that might make your market a bad place to look. So first of all, this field in general has significant barriers to entry. What is a barrier to entry? Well, let's look at a couple of of examples. You know, to practice law, you have to have a law degree from an accredited university and pass a bar exam. You know, it's not a field that you can get into without significant preparation. Now, apartment investing doesn't have quite as formal of a process, but there is still a barrier to entry to get in. I think the two most significant barriers is if you want to break into this marketplace, you have to have experience, which is a little bit of a conundrum. In order to get experience and buy your first property, you have to have experience. You know, it's easily to get easy to get over that just by partnering with somebody that has experience. 
And I would say the second thing is to obtain a commercial loan in real estate, you need to have a net worth greater than or equal to the loan balance. And these two things together will put most people out in the cold when it comes to apartment investing. And the other thing I'll say about it is these two things are present everywhere. It doesn't matter where you're trying to invest. If you're trying to get a commercial loan, you're going to have to have experience and you're going to have to have that net worth. Now, let's look at some of the barriers to entry of specific markets. First of all, let's talk about price. You know, the price of real estate can vary wildly between different areas of the country and higher priced markets may not be the best place to start out. You know, an investor can typically get a loan for 75% of the property amount, leaving 25% as a down payment. And most new investors don't have access to large amount of monies. And there's also limitations to how much they can raise from their network. If your target is a 20 unit complex, for example, you could pay anywhere from a few hundred thousand to several million and the down payment of which will also scale with the price. Now, out of all the factors I cover here, I think this is the least important. You know, a simple solution to high price metros is to purchase a smaller property. Now, the downside here is that smaller properties don't have the same economies that exist with larger properties. But like I said, this is going to be the lowest of the three factors that I cover. You know, the second thing that we're going to look at is the potential for investor returns. Now, the returns available are somewhat related to price. You know, if the higher prices in the previous scenario are due to extremely low cap rates, it may be difficult to achieve an attractive projected return on investment for you and for your investors. As cap rates go down, the price per dollar of net operating income goes up, and therefore lower cap rates will often correspond to lower returns. Now, depending on your investor profile, the returns in a particular market may be too low to even consider purchasing an apartment in that market. On the flip side, however, low cap rates make each dollar of value add worth more in comparison to the markets with higher cap rates. So if you're in a market with extremely low cap rates, you may want to look outside of your own backyard. Now, the next factor that could create a significant barrier to entry in markets is competition. Some areas have particularly high levels of competition, you know, especially the ones that are on a lot of those top 10 lists that I talked about. Now, what does this mean? You know, when a property is marketed for sale, it will typically receive multiple offers. Both brokers and sellers will look at the offer terms and the team that puts in the offer and determine which offer is accepted. And the experienced buyers will always have the advantage over the aspiring investor. And just something to think about, if you as an aspiring investor win a deal when they're in a situation where there were 20 offers on the table, you're probably overpaying. So if you live in an area where there is intense competition for deals, you may want to start looking in more fertile grounds. Now, an honorable mention to these are the local laws. There are some areas that are notably landlord-friendly areas and some areas that are tenant-friendly areas. If the pendulum tilts to one extreme, meaning it's a very tenant-friendly area, there may be better places to invest. But this is just one of many factors you should consider. Now, back to the sailboat analogy, do you need to be in the area that has the strongest winds blowing in the direction you, you want to go? Or do you need to be in an area where the winds are blowing just strong enough? And what I found is in the areas where the market factors are extremely favorable to apartment investing, those are the areas where there's also a lot of competition. So maybe, just maybe, you should stay away from that top 10 list looking for your first apartment complex and look at an area that may be a little bit off the beaten path. Now, in my case, I decided I wanted to start looking at multifamily properties when I lived in San Diego. Okay, it's an area where cap rates are extremely low and competition is extremely high. I realized fairly quickly that it wasn't a good area to start investing in multifamily. 
But hey, I'm active duty military. I knew I'd be moving in a year or two from when I made that decision. And so I decided just to be patient. Turns out I went from the frying pan to the fryer because I moved from San Diego to our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And the process I went through was very similar to what I explained before. I looked at my local area, decided that probably not a good idea to invest in an area with high prices, low cap rates, high competition, and extremely tenant-friendly laws. So I started expanding my circle and looking outward. I looked up and down the East Coast and did an analysis of all the markets within roughly an eight-hour drive from here. And when I did so, I realized that money was moving from north to south. Money was moving from areas of high population density to areas of low population density. And it was moving from areas of high cost of living to areas of low cost of living. And Also, another trend was from colder areas to warmer areas. And on the East Coast, every single one of those factors points to money moving from the big metros in the north, like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, towards the southeastern states of North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. When I started looking at those markets in the Carolinas, I realized that the market conditions were very favorable to investing. Job growth was high. Population growth was high. Year-over-year rent growth was higher than average. But even with all these factors, I had one significant advantage. See, my wife was born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have been there dozens of times. So I realized that I also had a competitive advantage outside of my own backyard. And end of the day, I found a place where I could invest in growing markets with moderate competition and fairly decent cap rates. And incidentally, both the Carolinas have very landlord-friendly laws. It wasn't long after that that I ran into a guy named Eric Shirley. And shortly after that, once again, Four Oaks Capital was born. So to summarize, you should first start looking for deals in your own backyard because you have a built-in competitive advantage. Now, if your backyard's not available because of low cap rates or low investor returns and because of high levels of competition, start expanding your circle and look specifically for areas with favorable conditions for investing and also areas that you have a good reason to go to or areas that you already know well. That's it for today's show. Once again, if you have any ideas, any burning questions that you would like to hear answered on this podcast during a multifamily brief, reach out to me. Email is always in the show notes and it's Briscoe at fouroakscapital.com. And stay tuned. We have our next episode coming out on Friday, March 5th. It's another one of our first deal series episodes with Jenny Gu, who was on episode 61 with Christine Jefferson. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.